Welcome to the Bank Marketing Show, the podcast that engages and informs you for success in today's marketplace. It's the show that will make you a better marketer with trends, tactics, and inspiration from experts and industry leaders. If you're wanting to impact your personal success and position your bank as the best choice in your market, you're in the right place. Now let's dive into today's show with your hosts, Chris and Dan. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Bank Marketing Show. We're glad to have you with us and very excited about our episode today. I'll do a quick handoff here to my co-host, Dan uh, Dan Ovalis, and, and uh, glad to see you, Dan. And uh, Derek, we'll come forward to visiting with you today. Yeah. Um, today, we've got Derek Sutton. Uh, Derek is the Chief Marketing Officer of Autobooks. Welcome, Derek. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, so today we're excited. We're going to get into um, all about small business, small business banking from both sides. So we'll let Derek, I'll let you talk about your bio in a second. But to quick, quick intro, you've, I mean, you've got a lots of experience from you know uh, working with community banks directly. Uh, you spent a bunch of time running product with, with Bano and then uh, Jack Henry when it became there, um, and and you know with uh, you know AutoBooks focuses both on how banks can help small businesses, but then also like <laughs> materials and, and and things for the small businesses to kind of help them um, develop better relation, better banking relationships as well. So excited to have you excited to get into kind of the the sales process you talk to banks about and, you know, and, and how small businesses can help think. And I, I think the main thing is that we'll get into here is if, if you can help banks help their small business customers, you're going to, you know, endear them together um, and help help community banks Give you know, give those customers a reason to stick with them. So I think this will be a great, great topic. So um, let's get into it. Derek, uh, tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about AutoBooks. Tell us a bit about your, you know, your experience working with banks. They kind of gave some hints there, but you know, bring us up to bring us up to where you are today. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me once again. Um, you know, really, I feel like AutoBooks is almost like this culmination of my life and career in many ways. So AutoBooks is a fintech built to help business owners. Um, really better connect with their banking relationship. So when we say better connect, it's really helping business owners um, manage their business from a receivable standpoint, from a cash flow standpoint, from an accounting standpoint, directly with their financial institution. So not having to use a third-party app. So if I need to send a digital invoice and accept a payment, I can do that through my bank. If I want to accept a payment in-app, I can do that in my bank. If I want to create a secure payment form link and put it on my website or as a nonprofit, I can now do that with my financial institution. Those funds get deposited right back to where you know uh, my my account balances is at, and I don't have to use any kind of third party intermediary. If I've got a customer service issue or you know uh, a question about the service, I can call my bank. I don't have to call a Silicon Valley you know one eight hundred number and and wait in the call queue. So. It's really about helping business owners and financial institutions just stay connected. Um, I say it's a culmination because one, I grew up in a family of small business owners. My grandfather started a heating and air business. The other grandfather started a trucking company. My dad then had a heating and air business that my brother now runs. My mom ran her own independent agency. So like we were just small business owners. And the first job I got out of college, I went to college to go play soccer and be a soccer coach. And family friend invited me to be an internship at a bank data processing company. Um, I was there 18 months. 
in college as an intern and didn't know what bank data processing was 18 months later. Um, you know, like all these people are walking around talking about at the time, like Y2K. And I'm like, man, this whole thing's going away. I don't even know what my future future lies here. Um, but basically worked for a community bank data processor that helps service community banks throughout Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma. And I just drove around in my car and met with community bankers on a regular basis and talked to them about core processing, checkout on processing, teller equipment, whatever it was that we were selling at the time, and just really got to know community banks. And then from there, I got into digital banking and just like really kind of just grew a passion around, hey, like the future of banking is going to be digital. I'd love to just get into digital banking. At the time, our company was acquired by a company called CSI. Um, and CSI didn't have our, they didn't have their own digital banking product at the time. We partnered with two different companies. So myself and a couple of other people basically built the business plan, designed a product, kind of like evangelized why we should do this as a company and ultimately got approval, built it, scaled it. And that's the, the digital banking platform CSI. Um, through that met, um, Wade Arnold, who's the founder of Bano, went to go work at Bano and, and kind of did product work with them. And Beto was acquired by Jack Henry. So spent time with Jack Henry, kind of leading digital digital product management for them, for the Bano suite. And then left, kind of like you all, and started my own agency. Um, you know, went to be a small business owner myself to help fintechs really um, market themselves, brand themselves, build new products and take to market. And did that with uh, three to four different fintechs. Through that process, I uh, got to know the co-founder of AutoBooks, uh, Steve Robert. He, kind of told me about the AutoBooks solution product suite. And so um, instead of him hiring my company to redesign the application, work on the brand of AutoBooks, I just joined the company. And here we are. Well, Derek, I, I, in looking at um, your background and hearing all of this from you, I think one of the really valuable things you bring to our audience, you know, is, is, is the, the core element of this relationship between FIs and small business clients. And, you know, I, I kind of liken it to way, way, way back when banks first started offering their own credit cards, you know, and all of that. So now if, uh, and, and it's fascinating to say this is in-app. So, you know, it, it's not a whole other set of platforms that banks are offering their small business clients. It's It's part of processing that can help those small businesses to, strengthen their own backbone and their cash flow and all those things that you described. So, man, that that's fascinating. And talk to us a little bit about as you've gotten deeper into that world and kind of standing on that bridge and the relationship between community banks and 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 their small business clients is kind of what you what you have seen, you know, in recent years and how that continues to develop. Yeah. So it all starts with, you know, just the the evolution of small business banking, I'll say, and like me getting to see that firsthand play out. And so whenever I was going to visit these community banks, um, what I found was is that they really cared about their communities, obviously. And in caring about their communities, you know, small businesses are the backbone of the US economy. And so if you're a community banker and you, you you're caring about your community, you obviously care about the business owners within your community. Because everything was physical at the time, you know, and these banks were at the corner of First and Main, and commerce naturally flowed through the organization, you had a pulse on business, right? You knew um, what 
retailers may or may not work. You knew what restaurant concepts may work. You knew, you know, um, you knew about the agricultural, you know, weather patterns and how that impacted lending, you know, and like you you did things in your niche geographic environments contextual to the community you were you were planted in. And so the change that, that we're experiencing and like why auto books and why integrated to digital is like because small businesses moving digital and specifically how businesses interact with their paying customers. So they were moving away from collecting payments in person through cash and check to now needing to do it online, in-app, over the phone, whatever. But it's it's mainly digital now. And the challenge for community financial institutions and really all financial institutions is that other technology services have stepped in to fill that gap. And quite frankly, we're behind. So right now, think about yourself, you're a community banker, you're listening to this to this podcast. Is somebody called into your bank right now and said, hey, I've got a customer that wants to pay me with a card over the phone or through my website or doesn't, you know, like I don't have the ability to meet with them in person. They want to pay me with a card. What product would you recommend I use at your financial institution? And like just putting yourself in the place of the customer, having that imaginary phone call, maybe even secret shop your home bank, call in. Unfortunately, what you'll find is like your frontline staff will probably say, uh, you know, like we really don't have a solution because they may try to talk about ACH batch capabilities or wire yeah. management, treasury or merchant services, which is really, you know, a terminal attached to an ethernet and plugged into a wall for a retailer. But, you know, it's Joe the landscaper or Sally the consultant. She's like, you know, I don't interact with my customer in person. I'm like doing business out of my truck. I'm doing it out of a home office. And then so the customer service person will inevitably say, you know, like, have you tried Square? Have you tried PayPal? And, yeah. and that's bad, right? That's bad for us as an industry because we all know that those individuals, want, that's what they want. That's why they built the business model. And they're looking to disintermediate that deposit relationship so that they can ultimately monetize that customer in a way that the bank can't right now. Yeah, and it's a it's it's another friction point, right? Um, of just yeah, and it's subconsciously it's like kind of a letdown. <laughs> the bank's sort of in in a way kind of letting down that customer of like we we don't have a we don't have a solution or we have we can help you take credit cards with our merchant services thing, but it's it's like you said a big infrastructure that's designed for you know high volume retail or, or other types of businesses, not just the occasional credit card payment. And yeah, and you're sending fees, you're sending you know part of the relationship out. And I think too, you you hit on an interesting point. What you're talking about, you know, in today's kind of fintech world and niche banking world, like there's somebody that's doing that very specific thing much better <laughs> than um, a lot of community banks. So um, the the need is real for banks to have access to a platform, you know, that that can help them do those things better, help them compete because they're not yeah. going to go build, you know, build their own credit card reader. They're mm -hmm. not going to go build. You know their own integration with you know QuickBooks or, or things like that. So um, I think that's great. You know if, if you know using using uh, AutoBooks as a as a differentiator for the bank to just help the small business. You were you know we were prepping for this before, and you were talking about um, kind of you know, content development, talking about um, you know ways that banks can kind of help help educate their small business customers as well. So it doesn't just stop with that process and features, right? Can you? Talk a little bit more about, about that. Yeah. So you know, the, the evolution of the company, um, building audiobooks, we felt like, you know, the co-founders, Steve Robert and Aaron Schmidt, felt like they were onto something with 
they built this successful business in their career. And then they realized they exited that business and they realized that a lot of the tools that they wish that they had inside banking just kind of didn't exist. And so they kind of started all of this journey to build build auto books. And in doing that, we started with kind of this holistic product suite, which is like, you know, basically it's inside your banking account, you know, inside digital banking, but it's all things you need, like send an invoice, get paid, manage your books, financial reporting, access to payroll, the whole thing, right? Um, what we found is like over time, talking to business owners about using our tool and our capabilities, that there were certain points in time that they were really just interested in one or two things with our application. And so that led us down a journey of really just customer discovery, customer interviews, finding out what kind of progress they were trying to make with our application and their banking relationship. Um, and that led us to two big kind of discoveries. One, we need to break out some of our functionality and just offer it as a standalone. So invoicing payment acceptance are now just features of digital banking. You don't have to go in and use the entire product suite if you're a business owner. You know, quite frankly, most business owners, they care more daily about how they get paid, not about rebuilding their accounting, you know, back end and all that. So, you know, this the velocity flow of of customer uptake. The second big discovery was financial institutions, while they really care about their customers and servicing their customers, they're not always well equipped to um, know how to market to them effectively. And so what we had to discover, basically learn on the clock and build was, and, and, and it's really kind of come, comes out of this statement, like proximity creates empathy. And that's something that we have at, at Autobooks and, and preach constantly, but like proximity to the financial institution and the competing projects and resource, you know, resource limitations they have and things like that of like understanding they want to really talk about this service and promote it, but they may not have the resources to execute on it. So that empathy created this impetus for us to say, hey, well, why don't we take that burden on for our financial institutions and then make our content available to them to just pick up and use? They'll use it. Why don't we just build it? You know, we're partnering with all these financial institutions. Let's just go do it. So we feel like it's our job to know small businesses better than anyone in the country, right? Like we want to know small businesses better and really be that resource and that kind of superpower behind the scenes for a financial institution in their community. So we want to go do all the customer research. We want to look at the data. We want to go understand the motivations, the needs, the progress of business owners trying to make, why they would hire their financial institution to partner with, why they want to get paid with a financial institution over a third party. We then take all of that and reflect that out to landing pages, to email copy, to digital ads, et cetera. And then just kind of open source it, if you will, but just make it available to financial institution. We're all incentivized to grow together. So there's no reason to hold back on that. And so we found that to be, you know, just like wildly adopted by financial institutions. And it's just almost like when you tell them that you've got all this stuff, it's almost like you could just see the weight like lifted off the, the digital product owner's shoulder. Like, oh, yes, you know, like, finally, this is great. Well, Derek, I think part of the weight lifted also because I can guarantee you that some of the marketing director, CMO, uh, even C-suite folks that are listening to this podcast, when you just described the the uh, holistic nature of the relationship that that puts the FIs in the position to be able to offer, that uh, I guarantee you some of them reached over and turned their volume up a little bit like, what, what now? And, <laughs> and because as marketing people, you know, we all understand that 
the the content that you were just talking about is a beautiful thing, but what what as marketers we struggle with so often for our financial institution clients is messaging and differentiators and case studies even of so how you had a like you said a Susie consultant or a or a small hotel downtown hotel in a, in a in a small town that the bank funded and is up and going and and how can they you know utilize tools that are under the umbrella of that banking relationship and man i i, I think that is significant and then for the marketers to be able to put that messaging out there and tell those stories is tremendous. So go a little further with that, Derek, about, about being able to generate those stories and the marketing elements of, of all of this as, as tools for, for our listeners who are, who are running, running banks. Yeah, so we're keenly aware that bank marketers have a really big challenge. And the, the, the analogy I get for the challenge is this, you know, if you're a bank marketer, You've kind of grown up, the bank's kind of like evolved in this community to like, over time, it's just started to offer more and more things, right? And so now you start to look at what's under the purview of a, of a bank marketer or CMO, and I liken it to a cheesecake factory menu. So now you're looking at like what you have to offer to your customers, and you're like, oh, we've got this section over here is for Chinese. This section down the middle is for American food. Here's our Italian section, our Mexican-American we got this whole dessert menu, right? Like if you think about a bank's website and all the things they've got to offer, it's it's dang near like a cheesecake factory menu with like the depth and breadth of it. And then you look at Square and it's in and out burger. You know, like it's burgers, it's fries and it's shake and they do a really dang good job at burgers, fries and shakes. And the customer knows exactly what they're going to get out of their burger, fries and shakes. It's fast, efficient, it's easy. And so now you're looking at yourself and you're saying, okay, how do I compete against that? You know? And oh, by the way, that's a, you know, one of the best marketing companies in the world, you know, marketing burgers, you know, their, their capabilities. And so that's, that's what you have to deal with, you know, as a bank marketer, right? Now you've got the relationship and the proximity in your community and the longstanding trust and a lot of things you can build off of. But what we try to do is offer the perspective of, okay, based upon what we know from the data, what we know from talking to customers, what we know about their frustrations with PayPal Square and others, what they know about their affinity and desire to you know, get paid with somebody they trust, here's what we recommend to say, right? Like here's a way to, to, to talk about invoicing in a way that the business owner reads the copy and they're like, oh, that makes sense to me. That's why I would do it with my bank and not Square. Here's yeah. um, some customer examples, right? Here's how... Here's the benefits you're going to get in doing that. So it's like just hopefully making the job easier for the marketing team to say, here's the content, put it in your machine and you guys run it. If you need us to help you run parts of the machine, we can, we can talk about that. But really it's like, here's the content, here's the ideas, put it in your machine. But ultimately, you know, my challenge to, to bankers is like, you have to think in bank marketers specifically is the biggest challenge we've got. And I'd love to hear y'all's comment is like, bank marketing is a little bit too calendar based. If I'm being critical, you know, it's very much like, hey, at the beginning of the year, here's our calendar, here's the seasonal stuff we're going to do. Where does small business banking fit in? Oh, you digital banking team, you guys launched this new product. Great. We're going to talk about it eight months from now on the calendar, right. right? And I'm always sitting there thinking about if my brother's in the cap of a truck right now, wanting to get paid by somebody, 
And he doesn't even know, like my company partnered with his financial institution about invoicing. He doesn't even know it's available from his bank. Like literally this is this happened because they didn't turn them on. They didn't market it. I'm like, call my brother. I'm like, hey man, like we 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 partnered with our local community bank. Isn't that kind of cool? We're talking about it. He's like, where is it? He's in the app. Can't find it. Wasn't turned on for his segment. You know, he's a small business owner. Don't know why. And the bank was like, no, we're not going to market it because we've got a whole small business campaign like six months from now. We'll talk about it then. And all I'm thinking about is like, you've got customers in pain right now and you've got competitors nipping at your yeah. heels. Like, come on. Well, and I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of bank marketing, but for the same reason you, you mentioned it earlier, but you, you know, in your world, you're, you're up against Square that just is really good about talking about the one thing. And that's all they do. They hammer the message, hammer the message. But, you know, and, and the banks, like you said, that have a hundred different things on their website, like there's a hundred different, you know, categories of fintechs. They're all hammering at the one message. Yep. So if you're a bank marketer and you're saying, we're going to do this in six months. Yeah. Like I said, you've lost out on all that stuff. And, and it's really, I think it's an evolution of 10, 20 years ago. Like you, you have that calendar today, you know, today's marketing, you've kind of got to be hitting, you know, hitting everything at once. It just, and then relying on, you know, segmentation to make sure the people don't get inundated with every message, right? I mean, a lot of banks would put a small business banking message. Okay, well, the second week of every month, like we're going to put that on Facebook. Yeah. And it's not enough, right? You need to be like, have a an email list of just your small business customers, maybe even segmented further of small, medium, large businesses or businesses with, you know, high cash, you know, needs versus, you know, um, you know, mostly digital businesses like, segmenting it that way because when you get to that level you can talk about here's the problem that that specific type of business is facing here's how we as a bank help them solve that problem it might not yeah. be we have autobooks come check it out it's autobooks has this feature that can solve a pain point you have today always um, that always that quite frankly yeah. like the end customer doesn't know autobooks you know we're we're not ever going to have the name brand recognition of square or paypal it should always be led with how there's the here's the progress that we can help you make as a business owner today, right? It should always yeah. be leading in that. And I think you're right. It's the segmentation. It's the different mediums you can use. You know, it doesn't always have to be email. You know, maybe it's a social campaign. It doesn't always have to be social. Maybe it's a a mailer. You know, maybe it's a personal outreach from your from your frontline team. You know, and so I think the the thing that I'm always you know just talking about is banks are sitting on um the level of data that all of these tech companies would die to have, you know, like the transactional or the intentionality shown through data transactions and inquiries into a bank is, you know, digital gold. And it just needs to be unlocked, you know, and yeah. the more you can unlock that, um, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, that's really, it's really interesting. I mean, that, that's a, that's a theme we talk about a lot on, on the show is, um, you, you need to be talking about your customers' problems and how you can help solve them, not the features of your bank, Absolutely. not the products that you have. And in a way um, that the customer can like understand the language, right? We're, yeah. we're very big on using the customer language. You know, I go to a, a bank's website, like what the heck does merchant services mean or positive pay or treasury? You know, like those terms are internal. Like that's some core banking technology or some technology vendor named it something, told the bank that's the feature, and the bank's like, all right, that's what we're gonna call it. You know, yeah. um, that that doesn't make sense in today's world. We gotta name things a little bit different as well. No, I've used this example on on here too. Is we we used to work with a bank that 
their website, you know, they had a page on their website called residential lending. I said, how many people, how many like homeowners do you think go to Google and type in residential lending? (laughs) No, you know, they type in mortgage, they type in HELOC, um, maybe not even HELOC, but they type in, you know, the, the terms that they know. And that's what, you know, that's how you need to organize it. You call it residential lending internally because it makes makes sense. But yep. Yep. Um, well, so, you know, we were, uh, I know you're also, you've developed kind of this this sales and marketing framework of um, within Autobooks. And um, I know you've, you've done some, a lot of work on just that framework in general and, and how you use it both within Autobooks, but also like help um, help the banks, you know, Use a similar framework to to go out and find small business customers, and you've even been, you know, it's even been used as a use case in a book, and and you're working on new kind of book content for that. Uh, tell us, tell us more about what you're what you're doing there. Yeah, it all starts from um, a product development framework that that we've used internally called Jobs to Be Done. So we're all just kind of aficionados and really practitioners of this product development framework. That really helps to understand, you know, like how do you, you know, people talk about innovation or, or or things of that nature, but like, how do you really use the progress a customer is trying to make and like their their um, timeline or journey of making progress on deciding about a, a product or service they're going to adopt into their life and ultimately use it? How do you take their journey and unpack that in a way that helps you understand what others may find is like a similar need? Okay, and then use that to really map and mold what kind of products and services you build. And so a really great resource or book on that was written by Clayton Christensen, um, Competing Against Luck. You know, if we want to put that in the show notes or whatever, it is a great book. And so um, we practiced that as a product development framework for a long time. And we developed four reasons uh, in part of jobs to be done. It's like, why would a customer hire your solution to get a job done in their lives. So it's kind of cool the way it works with like auto books and small business banking anyways. And so like the way we frame it to banks is like, why would a bank or why would a business owner hire your bank to get paid? And it's kind of a cool reframing too, because if you think about, we're always thinking about this customers and customer acquisition, but kind of flipping it to, to, the, to the other end and say like, well, why would they hire you? You know, like what are they trying to do in their life? And how do you fit into that to help them make progress? So we have four jobs as to why they would hire their bank to get paid. And so we use that for our product development. We also use that for our marketing, right? So those those that those pushes, those pulls, those anxieties, those habits, the language that comes out of that, those interviews and that that research helps us understand how what to say, how to say it, how to make it relatable. So in doing that from a product standpoint, it kind of just became infected into our organization of how we do work. We then started to work with a guy named Bob Mesta, who helped kind of work with and, and contribute towards that that competing against the luck book that I talked about. Um, he's connected to our company, and he came in and said, "Hey guys, I'm trying to take that same product development framework and like morph it into a sales and like a way that sales and marketing should think as well." Because he's like, "I see it in the natural the natural correlation," mm-hmm. and I use AutoBooks as like a test bed or a test case to go do that. And so that's what we did. So over the past couple of years, Bob came in and we kind of built a whole sales and marketing engine around this, this methodology called demand-side selling. And so you could just kind of Google demand-side selling and that's a, that's a book. But I think it's a great book for marketers, for salespeople to kind of read. It really helps you understand um, what I think is like, why do people hire products into their lives? How can you take 
um, this level of like first thought of like when did they first think about even adopting the solution that had that basically had nothing to do with you as a financial institution? Like what first happened in their life that started them down this journey? And then how did they start to passively look for a solution? So think about like if you think about your car, like buying a car, nobody just randomly shows up to a car lot and then starts to make a decision. And you don't start to look at all the features, capabilities, and, and functionality of car A versus car B. Okay. And that's kind of the way that we sell banking products. What well, a lot of bank or products in general are sold. Of like, here's all the features, here's all the benefits, make a decision. But really, the decision to start to buy a car starts from something else, right? Some some kind of emotional thing. Um, you get pregnant for the first time. You get and you've got to get a kid, and so now the you know the two door coupe is no longer a thing, right? Or you have your third kid, and so now it's like I need to go from two rows to three rows, right? So all these things of like the first thought of making a different car purchase decision, and before you even get pregnant or have the baby, you're thinking about having the third kid. And so as a dad or a mom, you're thinking naturally like, hey, if we start down this journey of having a third kid, like what's going to change in our life, right? How many bedrooms do we have in our house? What, how old are the other two kids? Are you cannot pass down clothes? What's our part? Like you start to think about all this stuff, right? Then you kind of move into the space of passive looking, where now you're starting to notice things differently in your life. Whereas you used to be driving on the road and you never noticed the minivan before. Now you start noticing the minivans because you're like, I may have to buy one of those. Which one of these is the best one to look at, right? So now I'm starting to passively be aware of different products and services around me. I then move into a phase of active looking. So like I'm now starting to see more possibilities, right? So now I'm on the website of the different minivan providers and I'm starting to kind of like, now I'm only now am I starting to really kind of look at the feature functionality comparisons, but I'm in this almost this state of euphoria where like I'm looking at all the possibilities, I'm not really making any hard trade-offs. Okay, I'm not really considering the cost of this vehicle, and I'm like, man, I think I can do that Yukon Denali, you know, even though it's eighty-five thousand dollars, and you know, um, versus the minivan. And then you show up on the in the next phase, and it's um, um, it's basically making trade-offs. So you're moving into the deciding phase, and it's then and only then do you actually make the trade-offs. And a lot of the times, that stuff can happen just very quickly and in an instant. Or it seems like it happens in just an instant, but it actually happens through all these like little micro steps that take place along the way. And then you ultimately use the solution. And so what we're basically doing is we're taking that and we're using that to say, like, how do you sell and market to individuals? And as fintech company, how do you take that methodology and kind of build a zero to one process of standing up a sales and marketing division that can think in that way, talk in that way, you know, consult with customers in that way? that takes them all the way from first thought through active looking or passive looking, active looking, deciding and ultimately use, but using hopefully some of the like the insights we gain in first thought and passive looking to really better illuminate into the customer's mind an idea or possibility about how our app or service or product can make, help them make progress in their life all, all, all the while to use that as a way to accelerate the whole process, mm -hmm. right? So if you can think about just like, if you're thinking something before they're even thinking it and you help it click for them, how much more trust do you gain and earn by helping them understand, oh, wow, like they get it, right? Yeah. And now if I, I, I use that product, that that hits, hits me on the sweet spot because they know exactly what I'm thinking right now. It, it's, it's interesting. interesting. 
it's interesting you said that too. Uh, Sorry, Dan, Uh, because I was just thinking about the description of that process, exactly what you were saying, which is kind of greasing the wheels through the marketing funnel. That's right. Right. So, so it happens. So, so we've got high touch points, you know, on, on the marketing funnel. So we mail them a direct mail piece or they hear it, you know, on, on, uh, you know, uh, an audio ad or, or, or see a digital ad or whatever the case may be. And then it's the, hmm. Okay, that kind of, you know, that matches up with the fact that I'm pre-thinking about, you know, needing a, a, a good relationship for my small business because I'm not running it out of my garage anymore. I've actually got some employees now, so I'm now I need to kind of be legit, you know, <laughs> not, not running out of my own personal checkbook anymore. So I'm going to need, or as an example. Yeah, so so then it's kind of going, oh, well, well looking and seeing, um and, and pre-thinking about those pain points that you talked about and 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 moving me through that funnel. So I guess that's the pers- the marketing funnel perspective for the financial institutions, but also from from a marketer standpoint of where we can meet them along that thought journey. So I I love that. Sorry, Dan. No, no. I was I was gonna talk about something similar of just like, you know, it's so easy to Google you know, you, you might be at the early, early stages of thinking about something and it's so easy to just Google the final solution and just have something in mind, even if you you don't need it for six months from now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a seven, eight-year-old car. Maybe you think, I want to get 10 years out of it, but you are watching ads and you're, you know, it, it, it starts super early. Yeah. Um, so if, if a bank can get their perspective, you know, their solution out there early, you know, you're going to capture that attention. Um, yeah. A lot more than just like we we're saying, talking about we are a small business banking provider, right? Actually, show what you mean by that. Show you know the solutions that you that you have, not just say we have solutions. Yeah, I think a, a, like a very practical way of how that could play out. Earlier, we talked about the anxiety of a bank marketer. You said it earlier, Dan. You're like, I don't want to inundate people with marketing messages, right? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to come across as too pushy or too much. Well, now if you started to segment your opportunity by who's in first thought, who's in passive looking, who's in active looking, who's deciding, okay? How many people do we have in our email list that they're not using any tool in the data? We don't really see that they're, you know, maybe they're using Square PayPal lightly, but like how do we seed questions to them to get them to start thinking about, maybe they need to change the way I get paid, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's taking the research and understanding what other, what questions were other people asking that are now using the product, what questions were they asking before they ever started to use the product? And how can I use those questions in my marketing content, right? Maybe it's just like the kind of the got milk thing, right? Questions are places in a brain that need an answer. Like your brain forces you to answer a question if asked. So you, anytime you see the question, the individual has to answer it. It's just the way we're wired. So if you've got the good questions to ask, you're going to get a lot of good answers from people internally in their mind and started thinking about it, right? So then it starts to say, okay, well, I'm not inundating people. I'm educating people based upon where they're at in their journey, right? They're in first thought because of the following reasons. We think that they're in passive looking for the following reasons. Okay, this group, we're going to send them this content, you know, and it starts to take them a little bit further down of like, what kinds of things, what they're at that point in time, they're kind of making space in their brain for this new decision. They're starting to kind of think about it. Okay, like what's the type of content and copy we want to share there? We're going to share stories. We want to share stats. We need to share other information about how this could maybe manifest itself in a way that it makes its positive experience for them. 
Then when we start to move into active looking, you start to like kind of really start to illuminate the ways that their life could be better. You know, like kind of this, that's the car ads, you know, and that's 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 the the fun stuff that you see. The you know, the person heading down the wavy, you know, the wavy road, top down next to the ocean. That's the car ad because they're in this euphoria state, but it may not be practical just yet. And then who's in active or who's in a deciding phase and like really making hardcore trade-offs. And that's where you got to get very blunt and very much like, hey, we're going to do this better than that person. And that's kind of the closing area, if you will. So now you're not inundating your customers with, with just blanketed feature benefit messaging, one size fits all. It becomes a lot more contextual based upon the intentionality and the data presented of like where they're at their journey. So just maybe a little bit of a practical landing of that, you know? Man, that's good stuff. Um, Derek, I know that uh, I guarantee we've got some of our listeners that are wanting to better understand that that four-part experience process and all of that. So we'll we'll put some of that in our show notes uh, from you for sure and, and be able to pass that along because uh, that's really valuable stuff at every level of of, of marketing. So, uh, and, and it's great. It makes great sense that you guys are integrating those marketing thought processes and how we message and who and uh, Dan using your words segmenting, uh, you know, into that uh, with you know rather than just here are the features, right? So, yeah. w- which is the kind of the shortcut method that uh, in marketing too often. Oh crap! I've got to have an ad out tomorrow, so that's what we're you know that's what we're doing. That's not that pre-thinking and creative process. So, so I love all of that, Derek. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that to us. You bet. Yeah, I was. Hopefully, you can tell. I love to talk about it. So happy to <laughs> happy to meet with anybody and discuss it anytime. Good. Yeah, so the, just for the for the record, the you mentioned um, demand side sales is the is the book, but there's other. You're working on another book, right? Are there um, other components to that system? Yeah, I would say for your bank marketing o- audience, demand side sales is a great place to start. You know, it's kind of a smart. It's a, I'm sorry, a, a marketing and sales version of the jobs to be done framework. Like your bank marketer, go there. We're currently writing demand side sales 201, like going zero to one. So it's less about the theory and the framework. It's more about the practical application. So it's like, hey, now that you know the framework and how to interview customers, how to pull insights out of that, the benefit to it, how do you apply it? You know, like how do you build a marketing team? How do you build a sales team? How do you how do you actually do the work? Um, that will be 201. We'll release it sometime next year and we'll start to do some probably some like virtual events and some other workshops around it. Um, so you know, just maybe follow us on LinkedIn and you can um, you know, keep keep tabs of that. Yeah. We'll we'll link all that stuff up in the show notes and a good excuse to have you back next year when that comes out. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking the same thing, Dan. We we've got to do a 201 of uh of this discussion as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, great. Well, uh, Derek, if you got just a couple of minutes, uh, when we have uh guests such as yourself, we like to do a, a lightning round and and bounce some questions by you that uh give us a little bit more insight into uh into you and your your world as as well. So uh Dan, you wanna you wanna run him through those? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, so um, first thing is, can you share a personal best or a business best or both? Something something great that's that's happened. Um, personal best. I'll be married twenty two years in October, so I think that's uh, that's hard to beat, right? Yeah. Congrats yeah. on that. Well, thank you. 
no, no small feat. <laughs> How about a uh, favorite book or other resource? Uh, maybe other than demand side sales. <laughs> well, yeah, other than demand side sales, I think I would go with um, Reason for God by Tim Keller. Man, I, I love that you brought that up. I was actually in a discussion here in my office with that this morning uh, with, with a friend of mine. And um, we had a group that went all the way through that. And it was one of the more amazing uh, study processes that our group has ever done. So love that one. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, we, we were talking about how Keller's stuff will be around for generations. Yeah, he's uh, like our generation C.S. Lewis. He's yeah, awesome. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> cool stuff. All right. Uh, what is the most impactful piece of advice you've ever received? Um, maybe two. So uh, I, I love proximity creates empathy. You know, that's just something that's kind of like, you know, get close to the customer, get close to, but not only customer, people, right? And understand like where they're at in life and their journey before you make any judgments. And then probably change leads to conflict, which leads to growth. And you can't often get growth without going through the conflict. So change, it's the conflict leads to growth. Flipping that around, what's something you always tell your team or your clients? Um, proximity creates empathy. Um, <laughs> that, that's probably, that, that is the number one thing that we talk about. You know, And even myself, it's like, hey, um, you haven't talked to enough customers in a while. Like, Get on the phone, um, figure out where they're at. and Because um, ultimately, you're working for them. Yeah. I'm jotting that that's, one down too. <laughs> that's a good like sign to have on the wall of the yeah. office. Um, yeah, the guy in our office that developed that has a big sign, and it's actually yeah, it's cool. <laughs> well, um, uh, it's been great having you on. That love this conversation. Um, I'm definitely going to go uh, dive into that. Dive into that book. I think um, you know, there's as marketers, as you know, like the small business bankers you work with, we're always uh, we're thinking about ways. To, hey, how can we help? Grow our own small businesses, but to do that, we need to help you know help banks grow their business, and it's all you know it's all related. So I really uh, enjoyed this conversation today. The last lightning round question is: you know, how can people get in touch with you uh, if they want to hear more? Uh, we'll obviously link up to the link up to the book, link up to LinkedIn. But how else can people? What's the best way to, for people to get pulled into your proximity? <laughs> Yeah, um, obviously, if you're a financial institution, we'd love to partner with you at Autobooks. So just autobooks.co, um, not .com. So .com's locked up into some family trust. It's a long story of tale and woe. We can't get access to it, but autobooks.co. Um, on that, you're going to see how we help business owners on the first page. Up in the upper right-hand corner, it basically says, are you a financial institution? Click here. You click there, and it's all about how we partner with financial institutions. Um, the good news is, is we make it really simple. We've partnered with the leading digital banking providers in the U.S. market. In many cases, all you got to do is just turn us on inside digital banking, and we become a standard feature of your app. So um, we're easy to install. And then you can go to autobooks.co front slash marketing and see all the marketing content we provide for you to, to go to market and talk about the solutions. So go there. And then on LinkedIn, um, that's probably where I'm most active. You know, So just LinkedIn dot com front slash in front slash Derek Sutton. All right, man, this has been uh, informative, thought provoking, and 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 interesting and fun too, Derek. So thanks a whole lot for your time today and for for joining us and and sharing all this great stuff. You bet. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thank you. Thanks for joining us. 
To go deeper or get access to some of the valuable nuggets from today's show, go to bankmarketingshow.com. There you'll find episodes, links to resources, and much more. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and join us next time.